This is a Socialist News and Views special interview. I'm Nick Schillingford coming to you from the Urban Cabin Studios in South Minneapolis with this special interview. So on Socialist News and Views, we let folks introduce themselves. Do you want to just tell listeners who you are? My name is Michael Hughes. I am uh, currently the chairperson for the Twin Cities uh, chapter of the Socialist Party USA. I am a former member of the DSA. I was a longtime member of the DSA. Um, I actually kind of had a small hand in building the Minneapolis or the Twin Cities chapter of the DSA. Um, I consider myself a lifelong leftist. I was uh, a leftist when it wasn't cool. (laughs) Um, That's really about me in a nutshell. Sure. And so, um, you know, now I connected with you originally because I wanted to talk to someone, talk to you about your experience going to Socialism 2023, uh, which was a little while ago now, but they still haven't put all the uh, talks up from this year online. So I guess it couldn't have been that long. do you want to just briefly talk about attending that event and then your kind of overall experience of the event, you know, positive or negative? Um, it was positive. It's always positive. This is my second time attending. Sure. Um, I find it to be a good place. I find it to be a good place if you're a new young leftist and then you're looking to uh, network. I find it a great place to network. I find it to be a great place for you to meet new people, to meet leftists, to see how big the movement really is. Um, and so that that's for a younger leftist. I, I can see how that would be a, a great way to dip your toes into left, into socialist thought, into leftist thought. Right. Um, so that that's how I look at it for a younger person. I myself am a little older. I'm in my 50s. For me, it's it's also still a very great place to um, the network. Um, you get to meet a lot of great people. You get to meet a lot of great authors. You get to meet especially a lot of great authors. It's amazing how many published leftist authors attend this conference. I um, mean, I've gotten to meet some amazing people at this conference. It's also a great place if, if you're older to kind of reinvigorate yourself. Because there are so many young leftists, so many young socialists there. Because um, as an older as an older man, especially with COVID, especially with the pandemic, mm-hmm. you you get a little you're a little more isolated. You kind of you're relying on social media more and more than face to face. And it it I can't I shouldn't maybe I shouldn't speak for others, but every once in a great while you're just like oh my god I'm so tired of the struggle I'm so tired of the fight. And then I go to Chicago and I see all these teenagers up into mid twenties. <laughs> right. And I, when I say teenagers, I literally mean, I met a couple of kids and I say kids because they were kids. They were high schoolers mm-hmm. that were there with their parents. And that makes me go, okay, so the, the movement has youth under it. And I, and I love seeing that. So absolutely, um, those are really two of the main things I take away from the conference is it kind of recharges my batteries. It kind of makes me go, okay, we got to keep the fight going. 
Mm-hmm. And again, it, and, and I do get that 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 awesome networking experience as well. Yeah, and I, I want to get into a little bit more about the sections, and I want to get into a little bit more about the uh, authors specifically. But you you mentioned um, you know young leftists getting involved and how it's a great way to get your toe in the uh, in the water. So I'm just kind of curious, um, you know, you said you've been a leftist for a long time. What was your experience like dipping your toe in the water? How did you get, how did you get involved in the, uh, the whole milieu that is the, uh, uh, the left uh, many years ago? Um, I, I was raised by, I was raised by socialists. I have a, a long, um, my family has a long standing leftist uh, beginnings. We are, I have uncles that were Black Panthers. Mm. So that's how I got into, so that's how I became a leftist. I was, when, when a lot of kids in their developmental years are having Dr. Seuss read to them, I was <laughs> listening to, I was listening to my right. uncles read Mao and Marx and read speeches from uh from the local black panthers and uh marcus garvey and uh just there's a lot of militancy in my family um a real quick story my mm-hmm. i have an uncle who uh, we had my family had to leave the south i'm, I'm Af- for those of you who don't know no i'm african-american i'm black mm-hmm. um my family had to leave south because my family got into an altercation with some clansmen um, so we had, so this was back in the, this was back in the fifties. This is way before I was born. This is when my father was young. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of militancy in my family. Um, and it's just how we're, it's how we're wired. Um, so I tell people a lot of times that I was actually born in the socialism, um, that there was nothing in my life. I was else that I was meant to be mm. than a socialist. Yeah. I'm a second, you know, generation socialist as well. Um, you know, I mean, some people kind of, um, you know, even though they're raised in that, you know, they they kind of uh, can rebel against uh, some of that stuff. But you, you know, um, you know, as you grew up, you really you really saw that that was the way and you took that on. Yes, yes, very much. So I've always been pro worker. Um, I consider myself an ethical socialist because, my, like I said, my basis comes from I'm pro people, pro worker. I've always been that way. Um, even though I do work in corporate America, but you know, just unfortunately, we're it's still a capitalist country, so we have to pay the bills. But um, that's most of what we got but, is corporate America. So, oh yeah, it, for yeah, jobs, true. <laughs> true. So, yeah, yeah. But the conference, like I said, it does it does revitalize my my leftism in me. It, it makes my heart feel great to see the movement still has people that are willing to fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned some. I know we uh, had a discussion before uh, this. You had mentioned some of the uh, sections that you liked at the Socialism Twenty Twenty Three. I know the one of the first ones you had mentioned was about uh, municipal socialism with Shelton Stromquist, which unfortunately I still was not able to find the one from Socialism Twenty Twenty Three. Although I did uh, listen to a book talk, actually just earlier today, on his because his book is called "Claiming the City: A Global History of Workers' Fight for Municipal Socialism." I did listen to that early, uh, a, 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 um, a longer talk from him earlier uh, today. Do you want to just talk about that, uh, what you remember from that or what you liked about that um, idea of municipal socialism and, 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 and how that connected with you and what, what, what you're going to take from that? Well, what I took from it, and I, I know a lot of leftists are not 
pro um, voting. They're not pro how the how how the governments are formed now. I know a lot of people have a have a have a tendency to be not be in favor of of using the current voting system in order to work socialism into the into into the uh, local, even the local governments. Mm-hmm. But it was amazing to find out, like, especially coming up here in the Midwest, I'm, you know, I've, I've pretty much lived in Minnesota all my life, how the Midwest has a very strong socialist municipal past. Um, I, I did not realize how many uh, cities in the Midwest were actually so- considered a socialist municipal state. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of Wisconsin, a lot of Michigan, a lot of Minnesota we're all municipal socialism, mm-hmm. uh, socialist municipal units. Right. Um, is right. probably the best way to put it. And it just made me go, okay, so maybe the, you know, I've always, I'm, I'm, I'm very much a socialism from the bottom up believer. And that's where we need to start is at the bottom with the, the municipals, even at a, even a neighborhood level. Um, I believe that's where socialism should come from from the people itself, not from a, like a, a top down, we're going to tell you how to be socialist. It's like, no, here, this is right. how you should be right. socialist. And you work your way up from there. Um, but so that was a, a very interesting, uh, very interesting talk. That was actually one of my favorite ones this year because it just, I, I really didn't know how much of a history there was. I I've always like most people assume that socialism has always been on the outside looking in. And it's nice to know that at some point, um, it was on the inside and it did and they did work. Right. Um, and it's amazing how much the oligarchs fought even on the local level. Once uh, socialists took over a, a city and a county, it's amazing how much those those immediate retaliation from the oligarchs on that. So that was one of my favorite ones this year. Um, yeah, he he uh, I, I was when I was watching the the. Um, the talk that he gave, um, it, it, it was interesting because it was just talking about, you know, the, you know, how you think of, you know, within, because that's specifically talking about coming from the the point of view of the city, looking at things from the city level and how things develop within the cities. Um, and I thought it was interesting because you kind of think of, of the city as a place where, you know, these strikes happen and there's a lot of like democratic movements that are going on within cities, like historically, Uh, But he just talks about, you know, how um, elite control was basically like, you know, the founding element of these cities that, you know, that all the things that we think of, you know, as the municipal parts of the cities, of course, are things that have been uh, fought for by uh, working people and then by working people that were able to get into office at some point. I know in his um, talk I was watching, he said one of the first um, things that they had... uh, demanded when they when they did come into city councils uh or whatever was that you know these city council meetings all took place during the day um which is actually still the case uh for a number of meetings and a number of city council meetings uh across this country and i'm sure in other places as well because the you know the elites and and uh you know uh petty bourgeois folks could you know lawyers and and uh, uh other um uh, middle-class folks, you know, could take the day off or they could, uh, yes, you know, they didn't exactly. have to work in the first place so they could be there. So one of the first demands was to hold meetings in the, in the evening or at nighttime when the the majority of working people could, um, could participate. And then just looking at the, one of the kind of the biggest, um, 
uh, remnants or or ongoing um, wins from this municipal socialism uh, historically. And I think his book, he said, looks primarily at like 1890 to 1925 or something like that um, is, is the primary area that he's looking at is like in Vienna, Austria, um, which uh, where there's still a huge amount of uh, municipal housing uh, that folks rent from the city. And it's guaranteed uh, in their uh, laws that nobody's going to ever pay more than 8% of their income. Uh, he said for the, the, um, for the housing there in the city, and they still have these, um, uh, these large, um, municipal housing areas. I forget how, what percentage of people in the city are, are in that kind of a situation, but I think it was a significant number. Um, and then you see, you know, in, like in Minneapolis, St. Paul, you've seen all the stuff they've done fighting against just the most, uh, you know, low level, like a rent control or something like that, um, when that's uh, uh, tried to be brought forward. And that's nothing even, you know, that's not even close to like social housing or municipal housing. And yet, you know, they're fighting so hard against that. And so obviously we have to build that, um, you know, that counter, uh, that counterweight uh, to those uh, elites and those in power. And, you know, again, yeah, some of that's going to be from the outside looking in, uh, you know, building those movements in the streets. And some of that's going to be, um, you know, on the inside. I, I know you had um, told me about, do you want to just talk about what some of the other uh, sections that you liked this year were? The, this year I concentrated um, the majority of the, of the talks that I went to were about tenant unions and building and working with housing. Um, and the, and the reason is, is last year I attended only one that was basically about tenant unions and sure. it, it made me come to a realization that, um, and, and, and all socialists will agree with this. If you if you don't, I don't know how you can consider yourself a socialist. But if your basic needs aren't met, you, we can't organize mm. without basic needs being met. Because it's hard when you're worried about where you're going to sleep at night. It, right. It's hard for you to think on revolutionary terms. It's hard for you to think even just on organizing terms. Right. Um, so I, I've, um, I've with my local, we're kind of, I'm trying to get us geared a little bit away from electoral politics and more into basic one-on-one -on -one organizing. Um, I do want to rebuild. My goal is for um, my local to help rebuild the Twin Cities Tenant Union because um, there isn't one in the Twin Cities. Yeah. So essentially this year I met with all I, I, um, I went to all of the, anything else about tenant unions or about housing as what I went to pretty much this year. Um, and I got some phenomenal notes. I got some phenomenal uh, connections. I'm actually going to be going out to LA. Um, I'm hoping next spring to work with the, the LA Tenants Union to learn how they built it and how to organize it and how to keep it running. I'm also planning on going to Milwaukee and working with their tenant union as well. Um, Cause I really want to get one going here in the twin cities. I myself am a, am a renter mm -hmm. and um it, it sucks. <laughs> I mean, you know, anyone who, anyone who's rented, unless you, I mean, right. most, the vast majority of landlords are just trying to take profits. Yeah. Um, and like the building I'm in now, they, I, I'm asking for some basic repairs and they won't do them. And I literally, the couple of repairs I have gotten, I've literally had to call the city to get mm -hmm. the city come in to get them to do basic, not even like, not even like uh, cosmetic repairs. Like our front steps fell that fell apart. Right. And we had no front and they put in these three little wooden steps 
that weren't even remotely up to code. And I had to call the city and be like, hey, we need steps that are up to code, especially in the wintertime. Yep. So that that's become like my latest passion is is uh, is uh, housing rights, tenant unions. Um, and I, I, that's where I want to begin, because, again, if you don't have a place to live, you're not going to be interested in organizing if you're living on the street. Um, right. I'm also going to try to start working with some of the uh, organizations here that are working with the tent cities and to find um, housing for the homeless. I'm actually really mad because there's, I can't remember the name and if, uh, of, if you remember off the top of your head, but there is a, an organization that essentially took a warehouse and turned it into a, uh, uh, Oh, I know. Yeah. Like tiny houses. I don't remember where that was either, but I have seen that. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Um, I'm so mad because that I literally, I could show you my notebook with my plans. I was, I actually wanted to uh, buy land and buy and build actual tiny houses outside with the community garden. And it was going to, there was going to be one of the houses was going to have um, a business center so people could look for jobs. They would have internet access. And when they came out with this, I was like, oh, someone beat me to it. Yeah, so, right. I, don't get me wrong. I'm not hating on them at all. I'm glad <laughs> that they're doing it. But I'm just mad that they got they, – they made my ideal come to fruition. Um, so that's one of the – I didn't went to a lot of them. So I went to the, the – I think it was – it was called the Building Citywide Tenant Unions. Nice. Um, and that was ran by the Autonomous Tenants Union Network. Um, I, have, I have been emailing with them back and forth ever since. Um, if I can, I'm hoping I can afford to get down to LA to work with them because I would really love to work with them. Um, I just have to work on the how that I have to actually find a place to stay while I'm there for a week because Lord knows I can't afford a a, a hotel in Los Angeles for a week. Mm -hmm. um, some of the oh, other yeah. ones Los that Angeles? I did go to, yeah, yeah. I have I have that's friends that live in Northern California, but that's like a that's like a literally a four hour drive. Mm. Um, what was the other one I went to? I went to organizing the unorganized. Um, that was a, a great one because that was mostly about growing the labor movement in traditionally non-union sectors. Okay, um, that one spoke to me because I work in uh, I work in IT. I'm a technical writer, um, and IT is literally one of the hardest places to get people to even think about organizing a union. Mm. Um, I find that majority of the people in IT are right wing very much right-wing libertarian thinkers there's definitely a strong uh streak of that for sure yeah so um because i'm thinking because uh, and it is also one of the first one of the um even though i shouldn't say that it, that all it careers are great paying careers because they're not right but i believe especially the lower level the, the guys that work in the help desk the guys that do like desktop support those workers should definitely try to unionize because um, the company I work for, I'm not going to say who they are, but the company mm -hmm. I work for, um, I've been there for eight years and we've had three rounds of layoffs in eight years. Mm -hmm. And it, and I tell, I tell kids this all the time, uh, don't go into IT. And the reason why is because, yeah, they're great paying jobs, but no matter what you do for your company as an IT worker, and I don't care what it is, if you're a project manager, help desk, technical writer, uh, developer, whatever, you're a cost. You're never a profit generator. Yep. So those that are, so IT is almost always one of the first places they cut. And I, I myself, 20 years working on IT, I've been, whatever you want to call it, rift, right-sized, downsized, um, 
five times in my career. Yep. And I've, I've, I've told many people that this is my last IT job. The next job I get, it'll, it'll be one of three things. It'll either be I'll find a nonprofit sector job I'll or not. Yeah. Nonprofit sector. I will create my own nonprofit and work for myself or I will retire. Those are the next three steps. What are the next three steps for me? Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I, I truly believe that, you know, there's a lot of non-traditional union jobs that should be organized. I believe every job should have a union, to be honest. Right. Um, every, every, but uh, specifically in IT, I did go to uh, confronting the backlash, socialists and the anti-racist struggle for liberation. Um, I actually had to leave that one a little early, but uh, Phil Gaspar was one of the speakers. Mm. And he's a, uh, if you ever get a chance to read any of his writings, he's a phenomenal. He wrote a book called uh, The Communist, but he actually essentially rewrote The Communist Manifesto. Um, and it's one of those books I, I, I've been meaning to read. Um, I haven't had a, get a chance to. I have way too many books on my shelf. <laughs> um, right. The, fir- the first year I went to a uh, social conference, I spent like 120 bucks on books mm. because they, they take one of the conference rooms and turn it into a bookstore. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> it's very, I, mean, it was, I, I know I would spend way too much on books if I went there for sure. I, I walked through the door and I was like, Whoa. Uh, right. And, I, and, I, and I, I immediately texted my wife. I go, hon, I'm going to spend some money on books. She goes, how much? I go, I don't know yet. And I, I, literally, <laughs> right? I literally, um, like I left two pairs of pants in the hotel room. They didn't have room for the pants, all my clothes and the books I was bringing home. <laughs> In my, in my bag. So, yeah. Yep. The, so what else did I go see? I did go to um, uh, racial capitalism and black working class history uh, just because the speaker, Donna Merch, um, a very intelligent young lady. She's a, a, a professor at Rutgers. Um, nice. And she's written a few books on racial capitalism. Um, her and I had a very heated discussion one time. <laughs> about, yeah. You know, just. You know, because you know, you know how, how it is. Us leftists, we get very passionate about our beliefs. Oh, yeah. Um, so that was a very good search. If you ever get a chance to read any of her writings, please look her up. Okay. Um, and then I did went to social strategy in the housing crisis. Uh, that w- it was mainly about you know rent and working with working within the system on rent controls and how how socialists can address the affordability crisis uh, for that uh, impacting unhoused peoples. Um, I didn't get nearly as much. I, I thought it'd be a little bit more about tenant unions. Mm-hmm. It was a great talk. It just wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Um, what was the one? That I, a sports and a socialist society. Oh, uh, cool. That was an interesting one. I ended up having to go to, I ended up going to that one just because I've had several discussions with leftists about, because most most le- most socialists that I know ha- are more bookwormish and less athletic, mm. and I hate to generalize, but I <laughs> see that a lot. And um, I I played sports in high school. I'm a big sports fan. I love my Minnesota Vikings, even though I hate the stadium. <laughs> sure. um, I love I I love my Minnesota United. I love my soccer. I love soccer mainly because I truly believe that soccer is the most proletariat of all sports. Sure. It's the only sport. It's the only sport on the planet played on every, literally every comp, every country, every socioeconomic level mm-hmm. plays soccer. 
Yep. The poorest of the poor play soccer. It's true. Because all you need is a ball and a field. That's all you need. You don't even need a ball. Every day. Every <laughs> I see people using day. things that aren't even balls. So yeah, you can play it. Oh, God. No, I've seen I've seen uh I've seen kids they would take they've taken literally like rubber bands around the balloon. Mm, sure. And it's it you yeah whatever you whatever you can get that's somewhat brown. <laughs> yeah. All you need is all you need is a ball in the field. So that was a very interesting talk. Um. And I and I I loved the I loved the passion that the people that were pro sports had sure. about the sports. Um. But that was a good one. I also did go to uh, poetics of social movements, and the only reason I went to that one was. Uh, Robin D. G. Kelly, and that's with two L's and two E's. Kelly, K. E. L. L. E. Y. Okay, he is a phenomenal writer, absolutely brilliant. And this one, um, I've I've had talks with him as well. He has a book, and I any anyone who is a music lover, um, they need to read this book. He wrote a book upon about uh, Thelonious Monk. Oh, nice. Yeah, so if you're a, if you're an old school jazz lover, that's you awesome. Gotta read that book. Um, and he was introducing another young lady who was a, a poet, who was a, a le- essentially a leftist poet, and very beautiful young lady, very intelligent. Um, I went to that just because I wanted to see him speak because he's I'm I'm a big fan of his. So, sure. and then um, I went to. Why Capitalist Fails, um, Marxist, it's a Marxist Crisis Theory. Oh, no, take that back. I skipped that one because I wanted to go to the um, Scientific Socialism. Mm. I'm a little disappointed with that one, and, and I'll tell you why I was. Because um, I'm, very, I'm very much a, a, a realist when it comes to my socialism. I'm not a utopian thinker. Okay. I keep my socialism very much grounded um, to the point where I know that I piss off other people, other socialists. And I know I do because it's, this is the real world. I would love <laughs> to flip a switch and become a, a utopian communist society right. or even as far as anarchists where there's no state and everyone just lived. And there was no crime and there was no poverty but I, but I know it's not that way, mm-hmm. and I know it's not going to be that way. And the the, the switch is going to be painful. It's going to suck. There's going to be years of, and when I say I mean anarchy, as in lawlessness, right? For a while, before we can get everything lined up. That's how I feel it's going to happen. I might be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> right. So I, so I went to go to this one that's called What is Scientific Socialism? It was given by an organization called Cosmonaut. And I I agreed with some of their findings, but they came across very much as uh, we are right, you're wrong. Right. Talk. And which let's be real, it's kind of that, that, it's kind of hard to talk with people like that when they just they believe they're right there's a lot of that on the left too though <laughs> there is a lot of, there is a lot, a I lot mean, there's are, certainly a good 
a good amount of it anyway. <laughs> There's a good amount of it, and it's because we are such passionate people, and we are mm-hmm. such. Um, I on a side note, if if you want to talk about this, um, that's one of my biggest problems with the left. Right, is the the search for ideological purity. Mm-hmm. Not even the so much the search, probably even the demand for it. Right, right. Um, on social media, I'm I'm active on mostly Instagram um, when it comes to so talking with socialists online, and it is amazing to me how many people look for purity. Yep. If, if this person has one tiny minute flaw, they're completely dis- disregarded. Right. Yep. Um, I got into it with some people about Angela Davis. Like, well, she capitulates to the, to the, the Democrats. I'm like, well, she has, she has, but she also ran guns for the Black Panthers in the 70s. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, know. everybody's, you know, I mean, if, if a person lives long enough, their legacy is going to be, uh, you know, uh, so, some up and down for sure. Because nobody's perfect. Well, that's the thing. It seems like people are perfect as long as they're killed when they're young and they're doing all this great stuff and then they get killed. Then their 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 images, you know, is 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 is, is uh, made to be this perfect image. But, you know, nobody like you said, nobody's perfect. And especially, you know, as you get older, you, you know, you said you said, uh, you know, these young people, they they are very um, passionate and they put a lot into it. And, you know, as you get older, you kind of take. Uh, you can definitely take a different approach and see things a little bit differently. And so, um, you know, you might tend to engage with the struggle in a different way. And so, yeah, so exactly. You got to take everybody, you know, into account where they're at and, and what you, they're doing. Well, you know, my thing is, that, like I said, I've had these discussions and I'm like, this is not a black and white world mm-hmm. so very much. The, it's not a where 50 percent is black and 50 percent is white. This right. world is 99.99 percent gray. <laughs> right. With just a touch of black on one side and a touch of white on the other. There's definitely that, a lot that, of that. That that's just how the world is. There's no there is no and this goes across the political spectrum. There is no political ideology, purity. There's none. There's zero. Because you find I've seen people on the right who are in favor of things that are very much socialist ideas. But they just mm-hmm. don't like the word socialism in it. Absolutely. You know, you, you see it all the time. You see all these Trumpsters that are like, you know, we don't want we don't want uh, food stamps and blah, blah. But don't touch my Social Security. <laughs> right. Yep. Well, yeah. You know, like so I said, I mean, like 90 percent, something like 90 percent of, you know, people will use some form of, you know, government program at some point. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whether that's farm programs or Social Security or like you said, uh, snap assistance or anything else yeah. like that. I mean, people, most people use some, you know, unemployment. I mean, all these different things that yeah. again, people have fought yeah. for. There are, yeah, there's a lot of people who they don't realize how socialist they are. I, I, I'm a, a, a kid. I worked with, I used to work with, I call him a kid only because he's 20 years younger than me. <laughs> sure. Um, he found out I was a socialist and he started asking me questions. Sure. And I learned, I learned what talking with him is like, the, the the S word and the C word are scary. Right. American society has been taught socialism and communism, scary. Mm-hmm. Scary words. Don't use them. But when you start using words like universal uh universal wages, right? Labor organizing, mm-hmm. not unions, 
<laughs> labor organizing. Right. When you start saying stuff like tenants unions, mm-hmm. tenant organizing, and they go, yeah, well, yeah, because these, these landlords shouldn't be able to just charge whatever they want. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. I should be able to get a, I should be able, I should be able to get benefits and a, a decent paying job, no matter what it is. Yep. Exactly. Well, you know, why are the, why is a CEO making a billion dollars a year and I'm making $15 an hour? Exactly. Yep. Once you take away the scary words, they, he has come to realize that he's a leftist. He has come to realize that he's, he, and he's even acting, he goes, I, he goes, Michael, I dare say it. I'm a socialist. Because I never thought I was. All of his right wing buddies are, 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 you know, calling him all kinds of names. But he comes to me, he goes, right. What book, what book can I read next? Because I need to learn more. And so, yeah, I literally took this kid who was a, he was a, for, for the best way to put it, he was, uh, I shouldn't say a right winger. He was definitely a right leaning liberal. Yep. And now he's like literally going, he's, he's attending meetings now. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely the case. I mean, a lot of folks, you know, agree with a lot of the stuff. Again, it's like that's why it's you know it's a class issue, right? It's not it's not necessarily just you know like uh, a right left thing. It's a class uh, issue, even nope. though and, you know and, it's a left. It really, I mean, you know, the 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 left wing is where that has been, you know, the home of that for the most part. But ultimately, we need to see it as a as a uh, class issue and. Uh, um, you know, I think, um, you know, like, yeah, like I said, a lot of people agree with this stuff, but even the, even the S word and, and, and stuff like that. I mean, it's not as, it doesn't seem like it's as scary to people as it was, you know, I first no. got like active, active in like the 2007, 2008, um, you know, period. I mean, I was doing some stuff before that, but as a, as an active socialist, probably like the 2007, 2008 period. And it was definitely a lot more scary, um, to people then. So Oh, definitely. Because I, I can tell you for a fact, I know for an absolute fact, I got fired from a job in, what was it, 2002? Yep. Because they found out I was a member of the DSA. Oh, yeah. I mean, 2001 was when, you know, the clamp came down on everything in the U.S. as far as, uh, you know, freedom, you know, freedom of mm-hmm. the press and freedom of everything after 9-11. So. Yeah. But I know for a fact that I was fired because I'm a socialist. I believe it. I so. Uh, yeah, it was very scary. And then I remember, um, I remember young people getting involved in stuff. And uh, I don't remember when that was. That was later on. That was, you know, like sometime during Obama's uh, term. And they were saying, you know, the right wing was saying Obama was a socialist. And I looked, up, <laughs> I, looked I looked up what is a socialist. And then I realized Obama wasn't a socialist, but I was. You know, that was the yeah. That was what they said. I, I've actually, I've actually had people say that to me, and it's like. What I, I love when, when, when I when it, it would crack me up when I would see uh, Obama's a socialist, and I would be like, I, and I would literally be like, I want you to explain to me how, <laughs> right? And they're like, well, he wants to take away our guns. I'm like, no, no socialists ever taking away your guns. Go look up the Black Panthers, right? I go literally, no, that's literally what we're against. Well, he wants to. He wants to take. He wants to force healthcare upon me. How was that bad? <laughs> right. I mean, I go for. I go for one. His plan is a Republican plan. Right. Romney came up with that. Two. The only reason anyone's considering his socialism is because of the black guy, the black, the black, quote unquote, progressive. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I, I will I will say this, and anyone who's listening to this podcast, or I don't care if you want to keep it in or not. I voted for Obama the first time. Sure. And I and I did it for the for the right wing's favorite reason for why he got elected was black people wanted to see a black president. Absolutely. And I'm and I'm not gonna lie, I did. Right. I voted for him. I voted for him solely because he was not a Republican and he was black. And I crossed my fingers and I actually had tears in my eyes on election night. Mm-hmm. I, I right. never thought I'd ever see a black president. Never. And I had tears in my eyes. I remember my ex-wife telling me, she's like, I, I, I didn't think it was that serious until I saw you that night. Right. And, and a, lot of, a lot of people did. Never thought I'd have a see a black president. And then he got into office, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he started, and he started, and he started bombing Syria, and he started using drones, and, and I was yep. like, "Fuck, fuck." Yep. Yeah, it's always uh, and, you know, they, and, they, and that's a, that's, that's how they get when you. I started, and that's how I started walking away. That's when I started walking away from the DSA. Gotcha. Um, just because I saw a lot of. Young progressives is the best way I'll put it. I won't call them liberals. I'll call them progressives who were seeing flaws in the system. But they were still tied to the Democratic Party. I truly believe that the Democratic Party actually said, I I believe they invaded the DSA. I really do. I can't prove it. I mean, they're certainly there. I really appreciate your time. No problem, man. Thank you for having me on. You have a good night. Take care. Bye. Bye. And that's our special interview. Thanks for listening. Solidarity. This has been a Socialist News and Views special interview.